evening. This is Guys Guys Radio. Robert Manny here, your Guys Guy, welcoming you to the show. It is Tuesday. No, it is not. That's a trick. It is Wednesday, August 31st, 2016. We're back to our usual time slot. I had bounced the show around during the summer, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, based on my travel schedule. But it is Wednesday night, 7 p.m., and here we are on Guys Guys Radio. Are you ready for your fantasy football draft it's probably coming up within the next week if you are you pick the perfect show to listen to because we've got a great guest we've got the fantasy sports sherpa scott swaney he's going to be on here in a few minutes and i can't wait because it's one of my favorite shows of the year because i love fantasy football it's a lot of fun i've been doing it for years and uh there's more and more and more and more eyeballs on pro football and fantasy football and everybody has a blast with it there's like shows about fantasy football you've got the guys you've got the gals everybody's into it so we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes with scott sweeney the sherpa and in the meantime let me just quickly get you up to date on what's going on in the whole guys guys world and in our world so here in new york city we're coming off of a we had the hottest july on record and I got to think August was hotter than July. So we probably had the hottest month on record in August. And now we're heading towards September. And today, I think we hit 90 degrees again today. And the weather's supposed to change a little bit. We're finally going to break. We hit September 1st. And usually it's like clockwork. We hit September 1st and, and bang, the weather changes. So we'll see. It's been a long, hot summer. I hope you all have had a great one. And thanks for being with me this summer on Guys Guys Radio. Um, as I had mentioned in previous broadcasts, previous podcasts, is that I try to get ready for the fall, uh, to make that big push into the fall by uh, doing something in August, because it's easy just to do, you know, kind of slack off in August. I try to do the opposite and get myself prepped. So I went on a, and I've done so many different diets, but I went on a diet this year and it was uh, no sugar. I did it last year and I modified it a little bit this year. So basically for the month of August, I didn't have... Uh, sugar. So I avoided alcohol, condiments, jams, jellies, desserts, chocolate, alcohol, bread, pasta, pizza, any of those carbs that turn into sugar. Um, and basically consisted on a diet of organic eggs, organic vegetables, except I did not eat the sweet vegetables like carrots um, or beets. I didn't eat sweet fruits like apples or oranges or watermelon. And I ate a lot of sunflower seeds and things like that. No, no meat. I don't eat meat, but I eat fish. So I ate a lot of fish, a lot of salads, uh, no cereals either. And I lost 10 solid pounds. I really, a real dis redistribution of the weight. And I got myself through exercise and uh, the diet to, to hit ketosis where you start using your abdominal, basically, if you're a guy, your abdominal fat for uh, to be metabolized as energy. And as a uh, somebody who enjoys running, uh, the first couple of runs were really tough because I didn't have that energy uh, close by. I had to kind of reach for it. But then after a while, my body changed and I got used to it. And carrying around 10 less pounds makes the running easier. So anyhow, I feel fantastic. I'm excited about the fall. I got a lot of things happening. And I really liked getting ready for the fall. So I hope you joined me 
And if not, you know, September is a good month to kind of make a change and try some things out. What I've noticed over the years is the more different diets and uh, you, ch- you try, the more you learn about how your body responds to different types of foods and the cleaner and cleaner your diet can get and the better and better you'll feel. So take care of yourself. Uh, I just wrote two blog posts on my website, Robert Manny. M-A-N-N-I.com. The first was, you know, the guy's guy's guide to aging. And uh, part one was the bad news, all the stuff that happens as we age. And then part two is the good news, all the things we can do to counteract that. And really what the bottom line is, as we age, particularly if you're a guy, because we live kind of hard versus the ladies, we kind of run harder sometimes uh, in terms of beating ourselves up and not taking as good care of ourselves, is that you can't do everything you did before, whatever it is, eating, exercise, sex, whatever, partying, the same way you did before, but you can evolve and you can still do everything unless you have some type of, you know, physical breakdown where like a lot of runners, their, their meniscus goes, their knees goes, and they have to switch off. But you can still get cardio exercise. That's the point. You can still shift into some other type of exercise. So if you're smart about how you work out, how you handle your sex life, how you handle your consumption of food, how you handle your consumption of alcohol, how you handle your stress. You can still keep on going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny uh, if you take care of yourself. At least you'll have the best shot at it, if nothing else. You never know what can happen. You could have some type of ticking time bomb genetically in your body or uh, things could catch up from you from past behaviors. But your body has an amazing capacity for responding to being treated well. It's just like nature. If you give nature a chance, it always comes back. If you give your body a chance, it'll always rejuvenate itself. But you have to, you have to listen to it. Like, for instance, I mentioned running. I like to run in Central Park. I really love running in the summer. I love sweating it out. But I pulled my hammy uh, this July, and it's like it was not responding. So I had to shut down the running. I switched over to elliptical for an entire month. I missed four weeks of getting outside and running, which I love to do. I look forward to it all year, but I had to, because if I would have run it, went out there and ran on it, I would have injured it even further and really messed myself up. So it's just about being smart. I'm like, Hey, if you're a young guy, the same thing would happen. But as you get older, you got to get wiser and you got to really take care of yourself. You got to be mindful and really listen to your body. And when your body says, now don't go out there today. Don't do that run. Take a, take a day off today. Rest. Sleep. Treat yourself good. Think cooling thoughts. It all it works for your benefit. That's kind of the guy's guy's credo. When men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. The name of my novel is The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. You can pick it up on Amazon or any of the e-tailers. It's in a couple of bookstores. Reviews are great. It's a story of two guys in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. My agent is now pitching a new book starting September 1st in the nonfiction area. And I'm excited about that. He was pitching something last year. He's got, we've got something new this year and uh, that should be great. All our podcasts for guys, guys radio are available for free for download. So you can catch all, and we're approaching the 200th podcast. I can't wait, but you can catch us on blog talk radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in radio. You can also catch me on Facebook, Robert Manny Author, uh, Twitter, at Robert Manny, M-A-N-N-I, YouTube, Robert Manny Author. We've got lots of videos. 
And uh, he wanted, and my blog is at robertmanny.com. So that's our little commercial. Let's get back to the show. Um, we're going to talk about the NFL. I'm going to skip over Donald Trump in Mexico and things like that and get right to the NFL. Today we had some news. Uh, Terry, yesterday actually, Terry Bridgewater, and then he, got, he hurt his knee, and now they announced he's out for the year. So we've already lost Tony Romo on the Cowboys for six to eight weeks probably, Terry Bridgewater for the entire year. Now these are two good, two good teams, the Cowboys and the Vikings. Not great teams necessarily, but good teams, and now that's affected, and that affects some of the drafts. I know from my own league, we had to put in our keepers yesterday, and uh, our guest, Scott Sweeney, the fancy football sherper, I checked with him on my team, and he gave me some sound advice, basically go for it with the top players, and I tumbled some uh, players around. I had a lot of good guys in the latter rounds, but I, I noticed that there's a lot of crapshoots out there where there's a lot of, there's some the wide receiver is a sexy position, but there's pretty good depth there. And I noticed the last couple of years, there's been some wide receivers that have kind of come out of the blue. Stefan Diggs last year had a good run. Um, and you know, I picked him up as a free agent. He did great. Uh, and running backs seems to be split off where there's a lot of tandems. Now there's not that many bell cow running backs. And now we've got possibly, it used to be, uh, as of last year, at least, quarterbacks were kind of an, uh, you know, you don't really think about them too much. But now there may be a shortage. We're going to ask the Sherpa about that. But I put in my keepers, round one, Adrian Peterson, round two, Alshon Jeffrey with his soft tissue injuries. I had him last year and he was horrible, but I figured he's in a contract year, uh, rolling the dice because he is a top, top, top player when he's healthy. And then uh, I kept Levine Bell, and uh, he's going to miss three games, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's, in most cases, a three-down back. He's a terrific runner. He's only 24 years old. Now he screwed up again. He's missing three, the first three games this year. He missed the first two games last year, but I'm going to have to sit there for about 20 picks or so because in my league we've got uh, – Every team can keep three keepers. It's a 12-team league. So you may have 36 players off the board before you even start. And at that point, it's like, you know, it's this guy or that guy. You never know what's going to happen because all the really top, top picks are, are gone, except for about a half a dozen. So I know, like, the, the team that had Des Bryant as the one threw him back. They have the number one pick. So I think they'll take uh, Ezekiel uh, Elliott. So we'll see. But anyhow... Scott Sweeney has been the fantasy sports Sherpa for about the last decade. He's got a website, fantasy sports Sherpa. He's got uh, fantasy uh, baseball expertise and a service you can, uh, you can join. He's also has it for football and he's a, a terrific guy. And he really has an overall knowledge of uh, how fantasy sports works. He's been playing in so many leagues in both uh, baseball and football and, uh, and been winning. So, Let's bring him on right now and just get right into the show. Scott, are you there? Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining us. It's one of my favorite shows of the year. And uh, how are you doing with your fantasy football? How many drafts uh, or uh, auctions have you been in so far? So far, about half a dozen. Have my last one tomorrow night, and then I think I'm good for for the season. 
Now, can you share with us uh, kind of what kind of trends are you seeing out there? What's been what's been kind of the the trends, and what are some of the pri- surprises you've seen kind of across your half dozen leagues? It really depends on the scoring format for the particular league, but I find more and more leagues where there you where you get a point per reception for any catch by a running back, a wide receiver, or a tight end. In those kinds of leagues, I think wide receivers are going earlier than ever before. It used to be almost a given that the top half dozen or so picks in a fantasy football draft would be running backs, even if it were a points per reception league. But that's changed now, and you have you know, top wide receivers like Antonio Brown with Pittsburgh, like you know Odell Beckham Jr. with the Giants, like Julio Jones with the Atlanta Falcons. Those guys are often the first three picks in a draft, you know, if there are no keepers involved. So that's something that's been in play the last couple of years, but especially as more and more NFL offenses shift away from the running game and you know, even more heavily you know, distributed towards the past. That's something that I'm seeing more and more of in fantasy drafts. Now, how about uh, in non-PPR leagues? Uh, the running backs, are they holding up their value? Because on one hand, you know, as you say, the wide receiver has become, uh, they get the ball more and it's become the kind of the sexier position. Uh, but uh, there's only, it seems like a handful of running backs who are the go-to guys. There's so many handcuffs, if you will, in the NFL. Do you find like the Adrian Petersons, even though he's 31 and some of the, you know, the, the top, top running backs, are they, are they going in the first round still? Yes, there are three in particular. You mentioned Adrian Peterson with the Vikings, um, David Johnson with Arizona, and um, blanking on the third one now, Todd Gurley with the Rams. Those guys mm-hmm. are typically the first three running backs off the board in a in a draft. And in non-PPR leagues, often you'll still see and uh, those three guys being the, the first three picked, but you know, after that, it's it's basically you know, a crapshoot between whether someone's going to pick a wide receiver or pick a running back at that point. Let's talk a little bit about um, some of the injuries uh, and some of the stud players that, that, that impact. So let's go to Dallas first. Um, you've got, um, I noticed uh, our last place team picks first, and they could have protected Des Bryant. The guy's a big Cowboy fan. He loves Des Bryant. And he threw him back. And I'm sure he did partially because Tony Romo's hurt and he's probably going to pick up, pick Elliott with the first pick. What, what's your thinking about um, Des Bryant and, and Elliott in terms of value now based on the Romo injury and the Dak Prescott well, taking the starting role? I, even before Tony Romo got hurt, I actually thought Ezekiel Elliott has the chance even as a rookie to be in that, conversation for top back in all of football along with Peterson and Gurley and David Johnson. So for me, he was pretty high up on the draft list even before Tony Romo got hurt. Now, Mm -hmm. as a result of Dak Prescott being there, you would think if anything that they would probably shift a little bit more away from the pass and toward the run. So I think that probably enhances his value even more. So at this point, you know, for me, if I had the top pick, you know, it's probably a, um, you know, just a, a lottery between 
mm-hmm. Peterson and Elliot and Gurley. I think you put those three names in a hat and pick one out. And, you know, of course, there's a little more uncertainty with the rookie, but I really think he has a chance to be something special. And I agree with your league mate who would rather have Ezekiel Elliott this year than mm-hmm. Des Bryant. Now, let's take that a step further and talk about the Vikings for a minute because you've got Terry Bridgewater. The Vikings look poised for a good season because he seems to be making strides as a quarterback. They've got a solid defense. They've got Adrian Peterson. They picked up a, they have a good uh, uh, nucleus of uh, wide receivers. What happens when you're looking at Vikings now? Is Adrian Peterson become more valuable or are the other teams just going to load up, uh, you know, the front and stop him and, uh, put it all on whoever ends up being a quarterback for the Vikings? I think I wouldn't bump his value up too much as a result of that injury because Minnesota was already one of the um, heaviest run distribution teams in all football. They run close, you know, they pick up close to 40% of their yardage just on the ground even before that where the league average is more like, 33, 35%. So they were already heavily geared towards the run. I'm not sure how much more they can go towards the run without becoming, you know, too predictable on offense, as you mentioned. And I think, you know, with Teddy Bridgewater being hurt, I can't really imagine that they're going to, you know, to stick with their current situation at quarterback there. You know, I just really don't think Sean Hill's the answer for them. I wouldn't surprise me at all if in the next few days they go out and try to either trade for a, a veteran, you know, like a Mark Sanchez or if they you know, sign an Austin Davis or somebody like that off the street. Okay. Um, let's get right into it then. Let's start with the different positions. Let's just go through. Um, court, let's stick with quarterbacks because – because you've got two, uh, you know, upper echelon, I'm not going to say elite, but upper echelon quarterbacks now, and that Bridgewater was making strides and he's got a very good team. So it's, he's on the move upward, at least his arrow is pointing up. And then you have Romo, who's been, you know, a top quarterback. He's not the top quarterback, but, you know, he's top 10. What, what happens now with quarterbacks? Because quarterbacks have been devalued a little bit over the last couple of years because, for whatever reason, I know they throw a lot, but it's like, okay, Tom Brady and then there's Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. Well, Andrew Luck got hurt last year. And then uh, uh, Tom Brady is suspended for four games this year. And then you've got, uh, you know, you've got Aaron Rodgers. So to me, theoretically, there's a shortage of value on quarterbacks. So if you can snag one of these top gunslingers out there, even maybe if it's a David Carr or somebody like that, Derek Carr, I think it is. Is Derek Carr or David Carr? I know they're brothers. Derek, Derek yeah. sorry. Um, but, uh, you know, getting a good quarterback, maybe that gets bumped up around instead of looking in round six or something like that. Maybe you're looking in round four or five. And if it's an elite quarterback, maybe you're looking in the first couple of rounds. What's your thoughts on that position and some of the, some of the, uh, players. Yeah, even with no Brady, no Romo, no Bridgewater this year, I'm still inclined to wait on a quarterback because even when you look at the drop-off between the elite quarterbacks and the mediocre quarterbacks, it's typically less in most fantasy football league scoring systems than it is for you know the difference between an elite running back and a mediocre running back or an elite mm-hmm. wide receiver 
and a mediocre wide receiver. So even if I had a chance to get an Andrew Locke, an Aaron Rodgers, a Cam Newton, somebody like that in the first two or three rounds, I probably wouldn't do it. If they're still there in round five or six, great. But in all likelihood, based on the drafts that I've seen, that you know, that those guys will probably be gone by around three or four in a 12-team draft. Let me throw a couple of names that people might have some questions on, our listeners. Um, uh, Roethlisberger and Carson Palmer, where do you see them? Because you've had Roethlisberger uh, kind of came into his own, really blossomed the last couple of years, throwing the ball a lot, and he's got the weapons. And uh, he still has Antonio Brown, or though Martavius Bryant is out for the year, he's still got Brown. And now you've got Carson Palmer, who had a wonderful year last year, and he's got a good set of receivers, and he's got David Johnson in the backfield and uh, and some other good running backs and a great defense, but he's 36, and he's not he's pretty stationary. What? And let me throw one more at you. Matt Ryan, who used to be like, oh, wow, Matt Ryan's getting better and better, and he was not very good last year. So Roethlisberger, Carson Palmer, Matt Ryan. Um. Of those, I I would definitely uh, put Roethlisberger in my top five overall, in in addition to Russell Wilson, who we didn't talk about before. But mm-hmm. Roethlisberger is the kind of guy that, you know, depending on what happens with their run game this year and if, you know, Le'Veon Bell manages to do something else to get himself suspended even longer than the three games you know, while he's on leave, you know, Roethlisberger could conceivably throw for close to 5,000 yards this year. So to me, that is an elite quarterback who you don't necessarily have to draft as early as some of the other guys that we were just talking about. But, you know, the main concerns with him are, you know, just last year, you know, the last couple of seasons, he's missed some time with injuries and he takes a lot of hits because he's not very mobile himself. And then also just what happens when they get down near the goal line? Is Le'Veon Bell there? And if he is, is he going to get chances to run it in, or do they you know, stick with the pass game when they get down close to the goal line? So I think with Roethlisberger, not quite as much of a sure thing as as Locker, Newton, or Rodgers, but you know, the the potential is definitely there for him to outperform all three of those guys. And you probably can draft him two or three rounds later than those guys. So like him a lot. Carson Palmer, not quite as high on him. I think he's probably in that six to ten range. My main concern mm-hmm. with him is just his health, you know, based on how stationary he is, and also just that he is going to have David Johnson for a full sixteen games. So, you know, while that's great from a health standpoint to take some of the pressure off of him, it's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world for his fantasy value. Also, from his wide receiving core, you know, Larry Fitzgerald had a nice bounce back year. Last year, is that going to happen again this year? I don't know. Another one of his receivers, John Brown, is injured at this point. So, you know, definitely some question marks there. Matt Ryan, I I still like him a lot. You know, last year they had Devonta Freeman emerge as a running back uh, to take a lot of um, pressure off of him, but I'm just not sold on him repeating that this year. So I think it is, you know, going to fall on Matt Ryan to do more this year. Fortunately for him, Julio Jones seems to be healthy at this point in the year, and they also went out and signed Mohamed Sanu away from the Bengals, right. which I think is going to turn out to be a really good signing. So I like all three of those guys, but if I had to prioritize them in terms of a draft, um, Roethlisberger, uh, probably fifth or sixth round, Palmer, um, seventh or eighth round, Ryan, ninth or tenth round in a 12-team league. Okay. 
Let me ask one selfish question on the Steelers, since we were talking about Ben and Le'Veon Bell. Um, Probably the smart thing to do for those owners who have Le'Veon Bell, who draft them or protect them. When do you, when do you draft uh, D'Angelo Williams as the handcuff? Um, There's a lot of tandems out there. So I'm thinking that maybe seventh round, something like that. What's your thoughts in terms of, uh, I don't think you can wait longer than that because somebody's going to snag him. No, I, I agree. I mean, typically I don't like handcuffs just because if, if the starter is healthy, then I'd rather speculate on another starter mm-hmm. or another Me guy too. who's yep. you know, in a timeshare that has, you know, going to get a lot of carries. You know, I'd rather speculate on somebody like that with my reserve picks for running backs. But in this case, you have a special case, you know, D'Angelo Williams. He's a veteran guy. He you know, has done well in the past and he's been the featured back, did well as recently as last year when Le'Veon Bell was out. And, you know, just given Le'Veon Bell's history, you know, there's a non-zero probability that, you know, D'Angelo Williams is going to be the starting running back for more than just the first three games of the season for the Steelers. So, you know, to me, you know, maybe as early as the fifth or sixth round, depending on how conservative you want to be or, or how much faith you have in Le'Veon Bell. But, He's probably one of the few guys that I would make an exception to my you know, general no handcuff rule for. Mm-hmm. Yep, agree. Um, let's get into the wide receivers. Um, as we talked about, it's the hot position and has really the arrow pointed upward there. And but there's depth. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I want to get your thoughts if you agree or disagree. It seems like a lot of guys kind of I don't want to say come out of the blue, but They'll be like, wow, who's this guy? And all of a sudden, there's a new wide receiver that was undrafted. What are your thoughts uh, overall on the wide receivers this year? And then um, let me throw one name at you also, Josh Gordon. So let's riff on wideouts a little bit. Sure. And as you said, you know, each year there's a handful of guys that you're going to emerge and you'll say, where did that guy come from? I had no idea he was that good and of course you know it's a guessing game as to who that's going to be in any given season um, but generally you know, even in a league where that's not point per reception I've changed my thinking a little bit I used to be definitely the first two rounds sometimes even the first three rounds I would take a running back you know if, if there were a running back flex position but now in almost every league I want to get at least one wide receiver in the first two rounds and probably two in the first four rounds and you know, if you don't get one of those elite guys that we were talking about before Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, or Bill Beckham Jr., you know, there's still lots of guys that even around you know later, you know, that an Allen Robinson, a Keenan Allen and Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. somebody like that'll be um available or you've got rookies with high feelings like Sterling Shepard in New York or Michael Thomas in New Orleans or Tajay Sharp in Tennessee. Yeah, you know, there's there's always Lots of guys out there that, um, you know, just, you know, it's a numbers game. In fantasy, you probably have maybe 15 to 20 running backs in a season that are going to make a difference. And, you know, wide receiver-wise, you probably have 40 or 50 that could be meaningful contributors to a a championship fantasy team. So, you know, there's, there's definitely lots of, opportunities out there to snag guys even after the first couple rounds, you know, just as long as you use some of your bench picks on some guys that you think have high upside, then 
you know, you, you should do pretty well with the wide receiver position. I mean, there's guys, you know, like Kevin White didn't play at all last year for the Bears. He was drafted and injured in preseason. He's got a chance to be really good this year. You know, Deshaun Jackson is one of those guys that, you know, because he's been in trouble off the field before, right. people tend to overlook him. But, you know, he's about as you know, reliable as a blue-chip stock when it comes up to putting up 1,000-yard seasons and with the quarterback situation more settled there with Kirk Cousins now. You know, I look for big things again from him this season. So, yeah, there, there's just plenty of guys out there that you know, could be meaningful contributors to a, a championship uh, fantasy team. So if you don't get one of the, the top three or top five guys, don't sweat it too much. How about um, – let's talk about that very interesting – I always find a key position. Oh, I forgot you had asked Go about ahead. Josh Gordon too. Yeah, um, just I threw that on there, yeah. Yeah, Josh Gordon, as you mentioned, he's suspended for the first four games. To me, he's somebody that I would probably take not as a first or second wide receiver, but if he's still out there in, say, round six or seven, and, you know, I can use him at a flex position or as a third, you know, he's the third wide receiver on my roster. Mm -hmm. You know, that to me seems like a chance worth taking. But, again, as with Levy and Bell and probably even more so, there's always the chance that, he's going to do something dumb in the interim that right. you know, will get him you know, suspended for a lot longer than four games. So just you know, be aware that when you pick him that there's there's definitely some risk above and beyond just missing four games with him. How about some of the uh, kind of uh, situation battles, let's call it, in, uh, for instance, uh, Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker, I believe is the name, in Miami. How, which guy? Who is going to get the ball? Um, that's, that's hard to say. I mean, you know, I guess Landry is technically their, their leading guy there, but, you know, it's a new offensive coordinator there. Ryan Tannehill is still a work in progress. So we'll see which one, if I had to put my money on one of the two, it would be Landry. But you know, if you could get, you know, Devontae Parker, or even, you know, Kenny Stills in the you know, eighth to 10th round, you know, that's, that's a, a, a gamble worth taking in my mind. Yeah, I had to, Kenny Stills was not even drafted last year. I picked him up and he did nothing. And now I see in the preseason, they seem to be feeding him a little bit. And the guy's got skills and he's got blazing speed. So interesting pick. Speaking of which, you mentioned, I think, Michael Thomas on the uh, Saints. Talk to us about yeah. Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks. Uh, what do you think there? Because um, I see Brandon Cooks being uh, rated very high, and I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy. It's it's hard to say. I mean, Brandon Cooks, even though he you know led them in yardage last year, I believe you know was really at least nominally the number two wide receiver there. They had Marcus Colston there for years and years and right. years, and now you know Thomas is a similar you know, wide receiver, just at least size-wise. We don't know, you know, if he's physically the same um, player that that Colston was. But, you know, he, he definitely has a chance to step into that lead role ahead of Cooks. And, you know, they also have Willie Sneed, who came out of nowhere last mm-hmm. year and had a really good season. So I wouldn't discount him either. I mean, I wouldn't make any of those three guys my, my first wide receiver just because, you know, there's you know, a fair degree of uncertainty there as to who really the, the main guy is. There isn't the certainty there that there is, say, with A.J. Green in Cincinnati or Mari Cooper in Oakland or, or some of the others that we talked about before. But, you know, any of those three guys could be a good 
third or fourth wide receiver on a championship fantasy team this year. Uh, let's talk about um, some other uh, kind of sleepers in the receiving uh, area, because as we mentioned, there's so many receivers, it's pretty deep there. And there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty, you know, you have, so you have that elite group and then you have, you know, the position battles going on. Who's going to be the one, who's going to be two, who's the slot. Let's let me throw a couple of names at you. Like Randall Cobb, does he move back up now? I mean, he had an off year last year, but he was the guy. Now Jordy Nelson is back. Give us your kind of overview on Green Bay. Green Bay was a mess last year, not only because of Jordy Nelson's injury, but also Eddie Lacy, you know, wasn't nearly as good as, as they had been expecting him to be. And so James Starks ended up getting a lot of carries. And while he's not a bad complimentary back, he's really not you know, the the feature back that they were expecting Lacy to be. Supposedly Lacy is in better shape this camp and running better and yeah, he had a little problem with his dreadlocks in the game the other day, you know, being tackled by his dreadlocks, which <laughs> sounds really painful. But um, assuming that he either gets those cut or, you know, figures out some other way to mitigate that issue, you know, I think he should be better this year, which will take some of the pressure off the passing game. And also with, you know, with Jordy Nelson back, and you know, he's definitely on my sleeper list for this year. But I think both he and Cobb were definitely – potential 1,000-yard-plus receivers this year as they have been in years past when they were both healthy. How about this kid on, uh, you know, an interesting team that's getting some eyeballs on it is uh, Tennessee. Now, they're not what I would call a great team or anything, but I see Mariota in my league, he got protected, uh, I think like in the sixth round or something, which I was like, wow, really? (laughs) I thought that was a bit high, but you've got Tajay Sharp, who you mentioned. And then this is other guy, Rashard Matthews, as I'm reading as like, he's a real sleeper there because Kendall Wright, I think has got some tweaks on his body. So what's your, what's, what do you think of Rashard Matthews? I mean, he's another guy, you know, he came over from Miami, I believe. And he definitely has the potential to be, somebody who could be, you know, as, as valuable as a second or third receiver on a fantasy team. But, you know, again, just there's uncertainty there as to who's really going to get fed the ball there between Sharp, who you know, has really come out of nowhere, you know, out of the uh, University of Massachusetts, and then Richard Matthews. And, you know, don't forget they signed Andre Johnson in the offseason, too, and at some point they'll get Kendall Wright back. So mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've got a lot of mouths to feed there, but, you know, at least going into the season, you know, I would probably draft those guys as maybe a, a fourth or even a fifth wide receiver if they were still available. But realizing that they probably have the upside of being a, a second or third wide receiver, your second or third best wide receiver. How about um, Seattle? Uh, there's a lot of hype with Baldwin because he like touched down every game in the last part of the season. Then you've got Tyler Lockett. What's your sense as to who, who do you, who do you prioritize there? Who do you rank one and who do you rank two? I think Baldwin would be the, the top pick there if I had to pick one of the Seattle receivers again for me he's probably more like a a third wide receiver on a team you know somebody that should still be there in the sixth seventh maybe even eighth round Uh, Lockett has certainly gotten a lot of publicity and Jermaine Curse is still there between those two guys I'm not really sure who's going to get more targets so I'd be leery about you know drafting either of those guys as a starter uh, for my team, both of those guys, I'm probably looking at more as a high upside reserve. 
Uh, let me throw another random name at you. I see he's getting a lot of hype. Tory Smith, guy's pretty young. I think he's 26. He's super fast, but he runs go routes, and that's basically it. I had him last year. He had like one good game. He catches the ball. It's an 80-yard touchdown, or there's nothing. Now they're saying with Chip Kelly's offense, he's going to be more of a focal point. What do you think? Well, Chip Kelly managed to turn Jordan Matthews, who's you know even bigger than Torrey Smith, into a slot receiver, which probably didn't help you, know, you much unless you were in a PPR league. But Torrey Smith, uh, last year he had Anquan Bolden competing for touches. This year he's got Quentin Patton and you know, Jeremy Curley there. So I think he should definitely lead the team in receiving yards Again, he's somebody I would look at as someone who probably has the upside of being a wide receiver, too, on a lot of fantasy teams, but you could probably get him as at least your third, maybe even fourth wide receiver. So he's somebody that's probably still there in round nine or ten based on the the drafts that I've been doing. Okay, let's let's switch that over to Philly. So you mentioned – uh, Philly there, uh, now they've got a different situation. You've got Bradford's healthy. You've got the kid Wentz in, waiting in the wings. Um, you've got uh, Nelson Aguilar, I think is his last name. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Maybe not. And then you've got uh, some other guys. So what do you think of the Philly receivers? Uh, Jordan Matthews. Um, I don't really think much of Philadelphia's offense this year. So if I had to rank the offenses from one to 32, they're probably in my bottom five going into the season. So I would probably, unless I had to, I would probably avoid the the Philly receivers and pretty much any of their um, skill position guys like the plague, if I could help it. I mean, maybe I take a Zach Ertz as a tight end, you know, if he, in the last few rounds, if he's still out there and I'm desperate, but you know, Ryan Matthews, their lead running back is, um, been chronically hurt last year. He was sitting behind DeMarco Murray this year. You know, we'll see if he you know, can hold up being the feature back again. Matthews is the most talented of the receivers there, but you know, he's he's hurt going into the season. Aguilar didn't really do much of anything last year um, as a rookie. Josh House hasn't proven anything yet. So the really interesting guy is a guy they just picked up from Tennessee last week in a trade mm-hmm. Royal Green Beckham, who it says a lot about you when a team takes you with the second round draft pick and then gives up on you after a year, but that's what happened to him in Tennessee. So he's probably the one guy that I would speculate on if I had a late round pick that I didn't know what to do with. And mm-hmm. yeah, I would, he, he definitely has the potential to be maybe the second best receiver there after Jordan Matthews and maybe even the lead if Jordan Matthews is you know, hurt for any you know, extended period of time. But that to me is, is really a lottery ticket. That's not somebody I would plan on building a, a winning fantasy team around. Okay. Let me throw one more team at you. That's got some changes and it's got a lot of hype for some of the wide receivers and that's Detroit. Um, Johnson is a uh, retired Calvin Johnson. So now you've got uh golden Tate and you've got uh, Jones as the, uh, as the other wide out. What's your thoughts on those guys? Marvin yeah, Jones. It's, right. It's hard for me to, if I had to guess, I would probably say Tate gets more yards just because he's, you know, played with Stafford for a year and is more familiar with him. But, you know, Marvin Jones, you know, 
did really good things in Cincinnati where he was overshadowed by A.J. Green. Golden Tate isn't nearly the receiver that A.J. Green is, so maybe this is his turn to shine. And uh, another name from Detroit that is good to keep in mind, especially in deeper leagues, is Antoine Bolden, who came over from San Francisco, one of the teams we were just talking about. And he's somebody that, you know, isn't blazing fast. He isn't real tall, but, you know, every year you look up and he seems to have at least 750 yards, maybe a thousand in a good year, and he's getting kind of long in the tooth. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up being Detroit's leading receiver this year. All right, let me throw two other teams at you real quick. Uh, Baltimore, you've got this kid Perriman who was hurt all last year. They say he's coming back. He's going to get his first uh, preseason game under his belt. Then you've got um, they also have uh, Steve Smith. And they've got somebody else who's being uh, Mike Wallace, I think. What's your thought? And they got Flacco's healthy. And a lot of big things are expected out of the Ravens this year. What are your thoughts? Any receivers there worth taking? Steve Smith is too much of an injury risk for me. You know, at, at his age, I think he's 36 or 37 now, so I'd mm-hmm. probably pass on him. The one guy who I think I might have even mentioned on your show last year when we were talking about sleepers was Kamar Aiken who yes. ended up having a really, you know, mm-hmm. coming on the second half of the season and doing really well. Mike Wallace, yeah, you know, kind of in that Torrey Smith class of guys that have a reputation as just being, you know, go-root runners and, you know, not much on the, you know, on the possession receiver front. But, uh, you know, between those three and then Richard Perriman, who, uh, again, I'd be loath given his, you know, lack of, of, of time with Flacco, you know, I, I think for me, Aiken is probably the best bet in that bunch. If I had to rank them, I would probably say Aiken, Smith if he's healthy, then um, Perriman, and then Wallace. Give us a round for Aiken. Oh, gosh. I, I don't think he's on too many people's radar screens. He's somebody that's probably still available in the, in the 10th, if not later, round of most drafts that I've seen. Okay, last one is Houston. You've got the great Andre Hopkins who's really come into his own since Andre Johnson left. And then you have this rookie, Will Fuller, I believe is his name. And I'm reading a lot of really good things about him. So let's talk about Fuller and also the other uh, highly drafted, the number one drafted rookie, Corey Coleman for the Browns and any other rookie wideouts that you see having a potential impact. Right, well, Houston is actually blessed with two um, rookie wideouts that have the potential to do big things this year. You know, you mentioned Will Fuller, and he's definitely, you know, looked at this preseason and getting a lot of hype. There's also Braxton Miller, who you may remember from his Ohio State days as the quarterback mm-hmm. before, you know, they, right. you know, he got injured, I think it was two years ago, and then, or actually it was three years ago, he was hurt. And then uh, um, I think Cardale Jones uh, stepped in as the Right. back and when Miller came back the uh, you know he was actually shifted out to wide receiver then so you know, that you know he's in play um to you know Hopkins is the sure thing there fuller and Miller to me both you know speculative picks that are probably still there in round 12 or later unless you're in a really deep league um uh, Corey Coleman I like quite a bit you know, I think RG3 has a chance to bounce back nicely in Cleveland, although I wouldn't buy all the hype that he's been receiving um, this uh, season, this um, preseason. Yeah, funny, another 
former Ohio State quarterback who was converted to wide receiver, Terrell Pryor, is on the roster in Cleveland along with Coleman. But Coleman, until uh, Josh Gordon gets back, seems like he's pretty clearly going to be the the lead receiver there. Uh, Some other rookie wide receivers to keep an eye on that we haven't mentioned yet, um, at least I don't think we have, were um, Sterling Shepard with the Giants. Yep, yep. Um, Laquan Treadwell with Minnesota, although his value obviously takes a hit unless they go out and find somebody a little bit more with a track record than, than Sean Hill. Uh, we mentioned um, Michael Thomas already in New Orleans, and then also Farrell Cooper with um, the Rams, who's going to be playing with a rookie quarterback, you know, Jared Goff. I mean, Case Keenum is nominally the starter there for the beginning of the season, but um, I would expect that uh, Goff, who is the top taking the draft overall this year will be starting there before very long and Cooper's had some injury concerns this preseason but you know there's a good chance that uh, he'll wind up being you know one of the top two or three receivers there how about um give us a round for uh Shepard because you've got Odell Beckham Jr. Eli's going to throw the ball a lot he seems you know uh, we didn't talk about Eli but he seems like he's not getting a lot of love but I think he's poised with he's got some weapons there what do you think of uh, yeah, Shepard, round-wise? Shepard and Eli. He definitely um, does. Um, for Eli, he's one of my favorites go-to quarterbacks. Typically in a two-quarterback league, what I like to do is you know, take a sure thing with mm-hmm. the first pick. You know, and usually I'm not picking a quarterback early enough to, to get an Andrew Luck or a, um, an Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. If I'm lucky, I'll get Roethlisberger in the fifth or sixth round. But if he's not there, I'm perfectly comfortable waiting a few more rounds and picking up an Eli Manning or a Philip Rivers mm-hmm. or someone like yep. that in the seventh, eighth, even ninth round as my first quarterback and then trying to speculate with a young upside guy, a high upside guy later on, somebody like a Blake Bortles with mm-hmm. with Jacksonville or, or Jameis Winston with Tampa is somebody that I really like a lot mm-hmm. this year. Um, Shepard, I've seen him go as high as the fifth or sixth round in some of the drafts that I've done, and that seems about wow. right. You know, Victor Cruz is supposedly healthy again, but he seems like he's at best a slot receiver going into the year. And yeah, I, I don't, as you know, much as I would love to see it from a personal standpoint, I don't think you can really bank on that if you're trying to figure out who has fantasy value and who doesn't. So to me, Shepard is a solid value, a rookie who you know, should get at least 750 yards, and if all breaks well, you know, could you know, get 1,000 yards or more. And the other thing to keep in mind about the Giants is that you know, their offense, I mean, excuse me, their defense was really abysmal last year and, and kept the offense off the field uh, much longer than you would like. You know, they were probably a bottom five defense last year. They went out and signed a bunch of guys to beef up the defense, the jury's still out on that. You know, the offense even mm-hmm. looked terrible in the preseason, but, you know, given that, you know, they're running the same offense essentially that they've run for a number of years now and, you know, most of the key personnel is the same, I would expect, but they'll be fine come the regular season. So, you know, I may have a chance to throw for even more yardage than he did last year, and I think he was around 44, 4,500 yep. yards last year. So okay, let's – got it. Yeah, no, go ahead, a, Scott. One of my favorites this year. Okay, let's move to running back since we're getting pressed for a little bit on time, but I want to spend a lot of time in wide receiver, and thank you so much for that excellent insight there. Let's For running back, maybe we can focus on some of these potential handcuff situations. So 
you get your thoughts as to who, who we might, you know, rank over the other guys. So a couple of, let me throw some teams at you. You've got Denver where you have OJ, what is it? Uh, Anderson. OJ Anderson. Yeah. And, and, and then you've got this kid, Devante Booker, who I keep reading about, like they have high hopes for him. So that's one team, Denver. The second one is the Raiders. I read about, you know, Latavius Murray. And then I'm reading about this guy, Washington, like he's the guy. So that's two LA Raiders and three Philly. You've got Ryan Matthews, but then you've got this kid Smallwood and I'm reading all about him. And then you've got Miami, you've got uh, Adrian Foster and uh, the name slips my mind of who uh, um, a Jai. Uh, you've got a Jai there. And then I've got one other name and I'm not sure what team he's on. Howard. I wrote his name down. Jay. Oh, uh, Chicago bears. Right, got, bears. Uh, Jeremy Langford is their starting. And then they drafted, um, um, yeah, they dropped it. Uh, Howard. Howard. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's go through those teams because to me, they, they seem to, uh, you know, you got to make the right decision if you're going to draft these guys in, in uh, reasonable mid round. So you've got Denver, the Raiders, Philly, Miami, and Chicago. So go. Okay. Um, with Denver, I actually, I, I like CJ Anderson a lot as, as a running back one this year. I mean, in theory, Booker could steal carries away from him, but uh, especially if they've got uh, Trevor Simeon as their quarterback for the majority mm-hmm. of the season, I don't think they're going to throw Paxton Lynch to the Wolves anytime soon. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Mark Sanchez has probably played his, his last game as a quarterback for the Broncos. But um, I think they're probably going to be relying really heavily on the run this year. Anderson's shown the ability to catch passes out of the backfield too in the past when he's been healthy. So even with Booker there and Ronnie Hillman is still lurking in the picture, I still think Anderson has the most value out of that group. And he's probably somebody that is, even though he's a starting running back is, is in all likelihood still available in round six or seven uh, of your draft. And if he's still there and you're looking at him as a, as a flex value, I think that would be a really uh, good spot for him. Um, Oakland, Latavius Murray, you mentioned, and also DeAndre Washington. I've mm-hmm. never understood why Murray doesn't rack up more um, statistics than he does or, or doesn't you know get more publicity than he does. But for whatever reason, the Raiders don't seem entirely sold on him, uh, hence the you know, DeAndre Washington draft pick, too. Uh, they're going to be primarily a passing offense as long as Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree are both healthy. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind you know, there. You know, unlike Denver, Oakland is primarily going to be a passing offense. Um, between the two of them, to me, that's really a toss-up. I I could see both of those guys, you know, rushing for 700, 800 yards this year. But if I had to pick mm-hmm. one over the other, it would probably be Murray, unless he gets hurt. But you know, Washington, if you, if Murray is off the board and you're you know wanting to speculate on running backs, you know, with your last few picks, I think Washington, if he's still there around 12 to 14, would be somebody good to pick up. Um, let's see, Philadelphia, you mentioned Smallwood. And Ryan right, Ryan Matthews and and Smallwood. Smallwood's a little bit banged up right now, and um, true to his name, he is also a little bit on the small side, so I'm not sure quite how durable he's going to be, but given that he's got an injury-prone guy ahead of him, 
Um, I just, again, my main concern there is just more globally with the Philadelphia offense, the ability or lack thereof. So to me, I would probably put Smallwood behind um, DeAndre Washington if I were um, and ahead of um, Devontae Booker if I were ranking those guys that we've uh, talked about so far. Uh, Miami, Arian Foster, uh, Jay Ajayi, and they've also got a rookie, uh, Kenyon Drake, who's banged up right now. Right. But Arian Foster, to me, is a pretty major health risk. I think he's been hurt each of the last two seasons. Um, Ajayi a little bit on the small side and had some injury concerns of his own. But you know, of the guys we talked about so far, I'd probably put him at the top of the list of the you know, sort of the, the complementary backs that you might want to to pick up. And then finally with Chicago, um, we've got um, Jeremy Langford is first year as a starter with Matt Forte on the Jets now. And uh, Jordan Howard is the rookie who's getting a lot of buzz. Um, yeah, I really don't know what to make of that situation. Again, they're more of a pass first offense as long as Alshon Jeffrey and Kevin White are, are um, healthy. I think Jake Cutler is, you know, somebody who's often overlooked as a fantasy quarterback and makes a nice second quarterback um, for a team that's probably still there in round 10 or later. But between those two running backs, I think I would probably cast my lot with Langford, still somebody that's probably there in round six to eight if you want him, and then Jordan Howard maybe the last round or two if you want to speculate on, on the potential um, you know, um, you know, shooting star towards the end of the season. Okay, how about um, Forte? What do you th- how do you think he's going to do with the Jets? Usually, I'm leery of guys that are on teams on new teams, yeah, you know, their first year with that new team. But I think, given you know the Jets situation there, I, I definitely think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to take a step back this year. But um, Forte, I think, is going to pick right up where he left off with um, Chicago. You know, he's a great back out of the backfield for catching passes who should complement you know, Marshall and Decker really well. And, yeah, I, I think he could rush for 1,000 yards and catch another three or 400 yards and passes, you know, have 1,400, 1,500 all-purpose yards. So, to me, I think he's potentially, you know, a top five running back, not based so much on the rushing yards, but especially in a PPR league where you're mm-hmm. you're getting that extra point for the receptions, he could easily catch 50, 60 passes out of the backfield. So I like him um, a lot. He's probably in you know my top six or seven running backs, especially in a PPR format. Give me a round, Scott. Um, for Forte, probably second, although you might get lucky and find him still there in the third round. But wow. um, okay. he's... Mm-hmm. Definitely somebody that can deliver first-round value for you if, if um, things go right. Great. Okay, let's swiftly move to tight ends. Now, I'm going to say uh, tight ends, you've got the three kind of elites, uh, Gronk, then you've got uh, Olsen on the Panthers, and Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, seems to be very good. And after that, it's like, what do you do? There's, you know, Kobe Fleener, Fleener. Oh, he's going to be great on New Orleans, but so far he hasn't done really anything in the preseason. And then you've got... Ebron on Detroit and he's hurt already. And then you've got Jenkins on Tampa Bay and he might get beaten out. And like, what do you do after uh, those top three are off the board? Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, Darius Green other... is already getting trashed too. And Pittsburgh is like, they, he's, he's on the outs and they're like, what? It's like, 
Well, he, he's sure, he's had yeah, health issues there. I think he's had an ankle problem that's preventing him from playing all preseason and then supposedly a migraine headache situation, which might you know, even be career-threatening from what I've read. But Delaney Walker with Tennessee is another under-the-radar guy that I really like a lot at tight end. And Travis Kelsey with Kansas City is also somebody that's you – know, you know, is in a familiar system with a familiar quarterback. So I think he's, you know, those are guys that I would add to the top three that you mentioned. But by and large, once you get past those first three to five guys, you can just wait until maybe you know, two or three rounds are left in your draft. I would probably draft all my you know, backup running backs and wide receivers before I would take a starting tight end. I mean, you've got sleepers there, you know, Zach Miller in Chicago, Jason Witten, hard to believe that we're not mentioning him in that conversation mm-hmm. as a top tight yep. end anymore, but still somebody that potentially could be a top five guy. Yep. Um, mentioned Zach Ertz before in Philadelphia. You mentioned um, Fleener, you know, Dwayne Allen, um, Julius Thomas in in um, Jacksonville, his second season there now. You know, it could be interesting to see how he and um, – and, um, Blake Bortles continue to progress, and then Jesse James, who, you know, name aside, you know, is stepping in for Ladarius Green there in Pittsburgh. You know, again, it wouldn't surprise me if Ben Roethlisberger throws for 5,000 yards, and if he does, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if some you know, previously unknown tight end like Jesse James were to catch, you know, 750 to 1,000 yards worth of passes. So, you know, those are some of the guys that um, I have my eye on. And then if you want a couple rookies names, uh, Hunter Henry in San Diego behind Antonio Gates and uh, Tyler Higby, who's nominally behind Lance Kendricks in Los Angeles, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's starting before too long either. Okay, great. Uh, let's just quickly um... – Give us your thoughts, big picture on the defenses. I know uh, I think we agree that you don't take defense until the end, and I'm not even going to get into kickers. So let's just talk defenses real quick. Yeah, defenses, to me, the best thing to do is look at you know, not so much at you know, the perceived talent level, otherwise everybody would pick Seattle first, but more – you know, what's the strength of schedule? Who, how big, good are the offenses in their own conference, that they, in their own division that they have to play twice a year? And then, you know, how strong are the offenses that they're playing in their interconference uh, games this year? To me, you know, that suggests taking teams like uh, New England, Cincinnati, Miami, and Arizona. I think they have a combination of very talented defenses and very favorable schedules this year. But as you said, you know, don't um, reach for any of the, the bigger you know, brand names like the, the Seattle or the Jets or Kansas City or Denver. You know, those guys will probably be off the board by the time you should really be taking a defense. So let's go to those four again. New England, Cincinnati, Arizona. There was a fourth. Uh, Miami. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, all right. Give us, and then I'll let you go, three players, three sleepers to, like, grab. Doesn't matter what position. Um, let's see. I guess the quarterback, uh, we mentioned his name before, but I'll say um, Jameis Winston, running back, uh, Thomas Rawls in Seattle, and wide receiver, um, I'll go with um, Dante Moncrief in Indianapolis. Give us a round for all three guys. Uh, let's see. Winston probably still there in the eighth or ninth rounds. Um, uh, Rawls probably gone by the fourth or fifth rounds. And um, 
Moncrief, I'll say probably around eight to ten, somewhere in that neighborhood. Wow. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. Um, any other um, word to the wise, bit of advice for our players out there? No. Um, just if you want, you know, just in when in doubt, go with the team that you think has the better offense. And this year, you know, to me, they're a few offenses like uh, Pittsburgh's Indies and Green Bay's that really Arizona's that really stand out from the rest. So when in doubt, uh, go with the player whose team has the better offense. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay, Scott, uh, thanks so much. Tell everybody about where they can find more about you, the fantasy sports Sherpa, your baseball work, your football work, etc. Sure. Um, for football season, the fantasy football Sherpa, S-H-E-R-P-A.com, it's where I have my preseason projections. I also have um, a fourth and inches show, which is a weekly podcast on Blog Talk Radio. It's Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. to get you ready for the coming week's games. And you can find me on Twitter at, at fantasy underscore Sherpa, F-H-E-R-P-A. Uh, is your show on tonight, your, uh, your uh, fourth and inches? No, we did it. We did a preseason show last night, which is out there for um, for downloading. But uh, we'll be starting off with the regular season games next week um, with uh, the weekly show on Wednesday nights. But uh, this week we did the the pregame, the preseason show on Tuesday night, just to confuse people. <laughs> and where can our listeners, if they wanted to listen in, where can they find your show? Is that, it on um, iTunes or just Blog Talk Radio? It, yes, or are it's, you... on, it's on iTunes and um, Blog Talk Radio. And again, it's called Fourth and Inches with great. Jana and the Sherpa. Excellent. Okay, Scott. Well, listen, great speaking to you. It's always my favorite show. The hour went too quickly and uh, chock full of great advice as always. So thanks so much for being here and uh, all the best to you. And I hope you're enjoying married life and hope things are going well for you. Thanks so much, Robert. You too. All right. Be well. You too. Okay. All right, folks. That's our show. Uh, as I said, one of my favorite shows of the year is discussing fantasy football. We've got the very best guide for you in Scott Sweeney, the fantasy football Sherpa. And uh, we'll be back uh, a week after next week. We're taking next week off. I know Labor Day is Monday and we're going to be back uh, the following week. And until then, have a great uh, end to the summer. Take care of yourselves and remember that guys, guys, finish first.